Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing okay. A little tired. Had a little emergency room visit last night, so, uh, but thankfully we're, we're <clears throat> bouncing back. So how about you? Doing well. Been busy, but uh, the uh, unfortunately at least one Baltimore team is winning. The Ravens are 2-1, and one, and my fantasy football teams are undefeated, so that's pretty exciting. <clears throat> yeah, I need uh, Le'Veon Bell to suit up and start playing uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if he might get traded so yeah hopefully they can get him to play yeah um, yeah you know maybe uh it would help uh to really give him some biblical counseling uh to be able to guide him into playing for uh, playing well for your fantasy football team that's true you know my my brother-in-law lives outside pittsburgh so maybe we can make the hook up there I think that would be a good idea. Speaking of biblical counseling, uh, so today we're really blessed to have a, uh, a guest on, uh, a friend of a friend, uh, the uh, recommendation from a friend of uh, mine named Paul Fuller, uh, and it's a biblical counselor out of, <laughs> South, out of South Carolina, so not terribly far from you there, Ben, uh, and his name is Josh Stevens. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on today, Josh. Well, thank you guys so much. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, um, if Josh, if you could tell our listeners about your ministry and your background. Yeah, so I uh, started a little bit with uh, my just where I grew up. I did grow up in Minnesota uh, where, where uh, uh, we had a mutual friend there. Um, uh, grew up in a pastor's home, really became uh, impacted by uh, just levels of gospel ministry early on uh, in my life. Um, had an opportunity to, as time went on, just to do some just study in uh, just learning and understanding the Bible and some undergraduate. And, and uh, really, one of the things that really drew me into biblical counseling was uh, just the struggle that my own marriage had early on. Uh, and so usually what uh, I tend to find as I talk with other biblical counselors is God has used in a variety of ways different circumstances of events um, that has caused um, them to think intentionally about what the Bible has to say about particular topics in their life. And for me, uh, there was two of them. One of them was my marriage. And just how does, how does a, a godly marriage supposed to work? Uh, and, and ours wasn't working very well. <laughs> and, and the Lord just had to just revamp uh, the way uh, that I was being a husband and that we were interacting together as a couple. And the second one was really uh, one of my, my own brothers who really battled uh, with, with an in, intense, uh, intense depression. Um, and it really was early on as I was doing some schooling in Minnesota at Central Baptist Theological Seminary. And and I, I was I was doing some of my masters in counseling, and it really it really was kind of like one of the first test cases beyond my marriage to say if this can actually help uh, someone who's struggling this deep in depression <laughs> couldn't come out of his house, um, then then the Bible uh, would be sufficient to handle mm-hmm. anything. Um, and so I really pushed on to 
to do some other schooling as well. Uh, I did an MDiv there as well and then went to Southern Seminary and just finishing up my uh, doctoral work uh, in biblical counseling as well. So uh, I'm married, five kids right now. Uh, so wow. all my kids, uh, my oldest is uh, 16 years old and then they're all two years apart down to 10. Uh, three girls, two boys. Wow. Praise the Lord. Busy house. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, a great miracle that our listeners aren't able to see, uh, that we're able to see, is that he is hair despite having all these five kids. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike yeah, I only co-host. have three in mine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, though. Yeah, well, that, that is helpful hearing just how this was impactful in your own life, and then now you're able to serve others um, through the training that you've received. Uh, well, Josh, kind of explain to those that may not be familiar um, more precisely what biblical counseling is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when we think about biblical counseling in our world, anytime people hear the word counseling, they tend to um, they tend to gravitate toward a secular philosophy of psychiatry or or psychotherapy or uh, various levels of therapy. But really, at, at the base of it is, is you know, biblical counseling is, is conversations back and forth with, with believers who are struggling on very, a variety of different levels, taking the scripture, its principles, all the things that God has given to us in it to live our life in a, in a godly way, and, and seeing how it applies to the various behaviors that we find in our own Christian walk, as well as, even more important, um, the motivation that drives those behaviors, which becomes an even bigger critical component to it. That's good. Okay, yeah, that, that's helpful. Thank you. And I appreciate you defining it, especially in contrast to, to typical therapy or, you know, secular counseling, especially driven by uh, the mentality of Freud uh, and psychology. Now, is biblical counseling something only professionals do? You know, you've studied this a great deal. Uh, is Josh, are you one of the only people that are really able to do this? <laughs> no, thankfully, you know, one of, the, one of the joys about living in community with spirit-filled believers is that, is that the Holy Spirit that indwells us and leads us to the truth and, and helps us understand the scriptures better, um, really, uh, that indwelling of the spirit is, is the very thing that helps every believer come to the conclusion that we ought to help one another. And so we, we run across texts, for example, like uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, when Paul's speaking and he says, uh, I urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Uh, and so there's this element where uh, all of these commands are given to local churches for the believers who have been indwelt by the Spirit that they can take the truth and then use it to help one another. Mm. Thank That's you. Good. I appreciate that. And that is such a huge change from the perspective of the professional. You know, that uh, I need to, if I've got struggles, if I've got problems, I need to see a professional. Uh, mm-hmm. The professionals like you can be such a great help. I, I think that is so important to understand that anybody uh, through the scripture can be a, co- a biblical counselor to someone else. Yeah, you know the, the one of the challenges with it is is that I think in the course of community life in a church, um, you know, given the professional model that exists in the culture, uh, sometimes 
it has uh, morphed into within the church that the church says we're not a, we're not able to, or the scripture isn't sufficient enough to handle the variety of different cultural topics and problems that people face. And um, you know, the, the the Bible is just such a great sufficient source of authority and direction for the believer's life. There is nothing that is going to guide them to to a satisfaction. Uh, that they will experience that is better than being satisfied in Christ alone. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, Josh, is, you talked about the sufficiency of Scripture. I mean, is it is it truly sufficient to answer the struggles that young people have today? The, the culture is changing at a, a a whiplash pace. I mean, I think we are going to end up with cultural whiplash um, with with the the pace of change, um, but just really complex issues. Maybe you could break down some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, often when we have a variety of topics that exist within the culture that that are now formulated through what we understand as mental health or mental health disorders, um, many in the in the generation, many in the culture now, going to a variety of different schools and school counselors and psychologists, functioning from a manual that is going to give topics that appear at face value that the scripture says nothing about because you can't find the word depression, you can't find the word bipolar, you can't find panic attack uh, in the pages of Scripture, but it is the principles of, of those things in the Bible that he, he, we can take and overlay them to these various topics that people are facing culturally and really help them understand that. Um, one, of the, one of the topics that I think, you know, over the number of years that I've been doing counseling now, uh, you know, there are so many young people that are struggling with depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems to be one of these things, and it's not just a, a young person thing, it's it's in the family, it can be whether you're older, it really doesn't matter, but it seems to be a very hot topic uh, in the sense of, of young people's lives. And to think that God doesn't say anything about levels of discouragement and despair uh, is to not look very intentionally about some of the things that go on in the Bible. Um, so I would say things like that, um, like depression, for example, uh, are 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 one of those things that the Bible can speak to, uh, and God graciously comes alongside people in the pages of Scripture. And and, and so I'm I'm just thankful that as as I've helped young people, families who are struggling uh, with that, whether it's husbands, wives, or teenagers that we can see them come out of that, mm-hmm. find their hope again in Jesus's uh, work on the cross, and really have the fog lifted uh, because they're embracing some of those scriptural principles. Amen. Mm. That's good. So, you know, it doesn't matter if uh, something new comes out, a new struggle comes out 40 years from now, uh, scripture will still <laughs> be sufficient, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one of the I think some of the texts that biblical counselors will anchor themselves to, as well as any gospel-orientated person, is this 2 Timothy, you know, 3, uh, 3, 16 and 17, where all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and training mm-hmm. in righteousness. And I love, sometimes we miss verse 17, and it says, so that the man or woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And he has given us the scripture so that we would not be uh, outside of, of having something to guide us. 
And so that that's a really helpful text of scripture to us as we anchor ourselves to the truth of sufficiency. That's good. Good reminder. Now, uh, to let the rubber hit the road here, you know, I, uh, that, uh, with my oldest, that we're getting to an age, you know, where she's starting to, to have the, have her thoughts impact her actions, ha- have maybe wrong thoughts kind of come into her mind, into her heart and, and cause that to kind of influence actions and, uh, in a positive way sometimes with biblical thoughts and a negative way through unbiblical thoughts. Uh, and so I want to ask, you know, how can parents like me use biblical counseling principles in discipling their own children? Yeah, you know, it's fascinating to me when we get back to the Proverbs and they begin to give us all these uh, principles that help us within our parenting skills and give us some of these texts uh, such as Proverbs 11 that says, even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct uh, is pure and upright. And, and other texts such as train up a child in the way he should go and even when he's old, they will not depart from it. Uh, now, clearly, from a proverbial standpoint, we don't have these. These are not promises. These are principles that we that guide us in parenting. However, one of the things that they're leading us to is not just an attention on what happens in behavior, what our children do, but what that behavior is actually fueled by. Which the Bible is very clear to describe that as the heart. Um, Proverbs four twenty three is is a really critical text for, I think, Christian life in general, but Christian life in parenting. You know, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Those issues are also flowing out of the lives of our teenagers, our young children, as they interact at home, and they're in that toy room as a young child, and they 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 grab that toy, and they push them over to get what they want, and oftentimes parents will come into that room and they will say things like, uh, who had it first? Uh, and they're so concerned about that, but they're less concerned about the heart that it was motivated from that would take something selfishly instead of humbly uh, saying, hey, it's all right that you go ahead and play with this. I'll play with it later or respond back in communication because we're so concerned about getting the situation over, we mm-hmm. fail to address the motive, and we only address various levels of behavior. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. So, Josh, how you, you've, we talked about parents, but how can uh, those who are working in a church or staff, pastors, volunteers, um, provide biblical counseling without overstepping bounds that, that need to be in place? So one of the things I would say is uh, anytime that I'm doing counseling, especially with younger, uh, younger teens or any, anyone who's a minor, really, uh, uh, my, my practice personally as a biblical counselor is to always uh, interact with the parent. Because my job as a shepherd is not just to shepherd the individual, but also to shepherd families. Uh, and, and the God-ordained focus of that, child lives in, of that child's life in authority is is mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so the the best way that I can help that child is to bring that family together and and help disciple them and and help them learn to interact to to touch on both behavior and motive so that they're working together to try to see what's going on in the heart, not just what comes out of it. Okay. That's good. That's helpful. That's Yeah, and that's I mean we talk about that that aspect of, of 
parents being the primary ones, and uh, they just have more uh, exposure to the heart of the child. And I mean, you, you may get a little bit um, in a meeting or in a conversation, but uh, they have so much more opportunity to, to flesh that out. And, yeah. Now, I would say I would say that there are various levels that, especially dealing with. Um, teenagers where at times they have rough relationships with their families and they will struggle uh, for longer periods of time uh, wanting to communicate with mom and dad. And and there are moments where we have to uh, sit down with, with that teenager and outside of their, uh, with their parents' consent, but without their parents in the room for a, for a few times to help them try to explain what happens to be going on and then help mm-hmm. them bring that information back to mom and dad to share with them what's yeah. really going on in their heart so that everybody in the family becomes aware of how they come to each other's aid and, and help each other. Yeah, that's good. No, that's good. Yeah, I think of... Um, I had a friend a few years back that had an incident where she took her elementary age uh, child to a therapist over some anxiety issues she was encouraged to take her child to. And uh, I remember she ex- she was explained in frustration how the therapist had the approach that she didn't need to be involved in this. This is not her problem, that uh, he's a professional and he needs to be, the, he's the one that's going to deal with her. Uh, the anxiety issues and she's not he's not going to share with the mother uh, what's going on here what they're doing and and I think this is so and your approach is so different from that kind of approach and it's so much more healthy and so much more biblical Yeah. yeah you know the one of the fascinating elements that I think that we as as I've pastored in churches and I'm now uh, a pastor of discipleship is not to just create a a church that has a discipleship or counseling ministry but it's to be churches that are discipleship uh, communities and mm-hmm. and yes do we do a variety of, of counseling but I think it's really helpful to break it down to understand biblical counseling in the Bible as as discipleship they're really mm-hmm. synonymous terms and and one of the ways I like to break them down is one is is life in the community uh, living by the scriptures is preventative care we're always doing preventative care in the midst of the body to one another and in the, in the midst of our families. Mm-hmm. That's one of the joys of living within community that many people uh, are not experiencing uh, is that preventative care ministry that we have admonishing, encouraging, and helping each other. And then there's another level of it that I describe as precision care. And there are some people within our within our churches who really feel heavily about trying to help people in very specific circumstances, yeah. such as depression and panic attacks and cutting. And, and some people will really gravitate to that. And, and that kind of precision care uh, is done by pastors and, and lay people together that can be trained to do that. And so we should be seeing both of those elements as, as we look within the community of believers. That's good. Mm. That's helpful. Now, one of the uh, core principles I know of biblical counseling uh, is really not just dealing with the symptom of issues. I think it's too common that we might, as you even mentioned with, uh, you know, the child that is, uh, we just want them to obey now. We want them to be done disobeying. Uh, so often we focus on kind of the manifestations of the problems rather than the heart of the issues. Uh, and so I want to ask you, you know, how do parents and church volunteers get to ha- the heart of issues, get to heart issues when teaching a child or youth? 
Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that we often miss, uh, as, especially as parents, is we're trying to instruct our children. Uh, we, and, and, you know, I've, I've walked through now that my daughter is 16 and, and you have, six, you know, this teenager mm-hmm. group. I have three of them in my household. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, they're thinking they know a lot more at times uh, than what they do. And I'm trying to help them realize they don't know. They do know some things. Uh, but how we how I can guide them, and one of the ways um, that that I've I've been able to see that is not just make the instruction that I give them a discourse to them, so that they say, "Oh, Dad's giving me this lecture again," <laughs> and I have to sit here uh, waiting until he's done. But I'm making the instruction a dialogue. Uh, that dialogue has to be filled with questions that help draw out the person, the individual's heart. And as biblical counselors and parents and disciplers of people, one of the ways that I really encourage people is, is to, to get one, get really good at listening. Proverbs 18, 18 mm-hmm. 13 says that a wise person will listen first and answer second. And that becomes a critical component because even in parents, parenting, uh, I've certainly been guilty on many occasions of not hearing what my kids are actually saying and what the situation is before I want to give out my discourse uh, and expect them to sit there at my feet and listen and go and, and go away, change something, and then say, see, isn't everybody blessed now? Uh, <laughs> right. uh, instead, saying, stopping for a minute, listening well, and then asking questions amidst that dialogue, saying, what is it that you wanted? What is it that you began to care about? Were you, were you so concerned about this that you failed to see something else. And I began to dialogue with them and allow that to happen. And I think Proverbs says that uh, the, the, the reservoirs of the heart are like deep waters, and a wise man or a wise woman will draw out the deep waters of the heart. The only way we do that as parents, I think, one of the ways is the main way is through questions and then listening, uh, trying to help them help understand what is driving that behavior. That's good. Yeah, that's because, I mean, in, in whether it's at home or at church, you're going to uh, run into that, that often. I mean, we had a family conference here this weekend and had a care some kid, you know, struck another one. And um, he didn't just do that. He did it out of what's in his heart. So, mm-hmm. um, well, so how can biblical counseling especially help in the struggles of that, that, that young people, uh, teenagers are dealing with? Yeah, you know. Teenagers growing up in a culture filled with uh, an entertainment and a uh, just a pop the popular culture in general that is just driving young people to seek after fame and identity in a variety of ways, and and the scripture is very clear about where a young person's identity, for example, not just young people but any believer at all, uh, that becomes one of the struggles of teenagers and on into the adult years is we began to find our identity in something other than Jesus Christ and we become satisfied with that misplaced identity and so young people we we see it in youth ministry and in fact we see it even starting way before that in in many parents lives they they 
they adamantly bring their child to some sports training and they get them in the club and they make sure that they do this. They'll bypass church on Sundays to make sure that the, the identity of this individual uh, can be fulfilled. And then when all of a sudden all the things that the parent put effort into at the end of the day, the, the child doesn't become what they want them to be, they, they lose a level of their identity. And, and the Bible is very clear um, when, it, when, when it says that our identity should be found in Christ. Um, Paul, every time he starts one of his letters, I love the way he starts them. Paul, a servant of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that young person's struggle is, is, the, is the pull by the world to find identity in something other than Jesus. Um, and the more that they move in that direction, the less hope they will have and the more burdens they will feel as they, as they seek something that will never satisfy them. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think those are some really important biblical helps in that. You know, and one thing I really liked about that is I feel like a lot your input there is really across generational. It's not just these are the struggles of Gen Z youth. I mean, the, these are the struggles that are na- natural. And the time of youth, the time of being a teenager, the time of self-exploration, you know, I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, a lot of that principle is not going to help as much uh, as, as be as focused to the life of a younger child. Uh, there's not going to be the same focus as, as much. I would hope that a younger child uh, would not have the uh, some of the same issues that a teenager might have. Unfortunately, they, they might today, as you see even children's clothing, uh, pr- uh, designed to provoke sexual appeal in a really horrifying way today. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can biblical counseling be applied to the life of a younger child? Yeah, I, I think part of it is is, is is the wise parent, as we're, as we're functioning through our biblical principles, one of the principles that it, that was given back in Deuteronomy, when we look at at the life of the of the people of Israel, is is Moses wrote down Deuteronomy chapter six, and he says, "And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you will bind them as a sign on your hand." And, and what he's really getting at is there is an act, there must be for, for parents an active pursuit of trying to understand the heart of their child. Uh, at the base and core of this principle was that, that God's word, that you, that you teach your children to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And every child uh, from the earliest of ages is trying to learn, uh, uh, understand what is most valuable in their life. And so when my children are interacting with one another and they say things like, well, I, I didn't mean to do that. We, we start dialoguing together about what do you mean by you didn't mean to? Yeah. Or, well, they'll say, oh, that wasn't me. I was just tired. Well, who was that then? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and we begin to start flushing out motive which often gets forgotten because we focus so heavily on what they're doing as parents that we fail to see that 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 behavior then is driven by something they wanted. Maybe they thought that what I would be most pleased with as a parent would be their obedience, uh, you know, instead of their pursuit of loving God. And I think this is a this is a this is a challenge for every family to develop within their household that there are a group of 
of disciplers together. Uh, I ask my kids sometimes as we openly share within family devotions, okay, here's what you know dad is struggling with and has been struggling with because it's clear to you guys. Uh, and I'll say, how is how do you think I'm doing in growing in this particular area so that we're all becoming transparent with one another? And sometimes their response hurts. Mm-hmm. Because I realize that I'm not really working on this as as hard as I should be to honor the Lord. I'm really worried more about my own convenience, uh, not having to get out of my chair after work because I don't. I want peace and relaxation instead of getting up and saying, "All right, how can we understand this issue together?" So I think from the very earliest of time time periods of a child's life, we can begin to start asking them questions. Yeah. Yeah, I I really love how you brought that into family worship. You know, both of us, I think, are big advocates of family worship uh, as as an important thing. And I think it too often can become, including my household, can become lecture time. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I think that is just so helpful to bring those principles into that time of family discipleship and family worship together. It's fascinating to me that in the in the process of uh, rearing our children, that you know, especially at the younger ages, when they're they're less cognizant of the of, of thing, and you'll ask a child, "Why did you do that?" and they'll respond with, "I don't know," <laughs> uh, and you could ask them again because you get frustrated as a parent. I know you know that you did that for a reason. Why? I don't know, and they'll just continue <laughs> to to labor over this. And part of what I, I recognized in my younger children as I was rearing them was it's not that they didn't know. It's that they, they, they knew something was wrong, but I had to help them put it together. So by asking them questions such as, well, did you like that toy? Um, how much did you like that toy? Oh, I liked it a lot. Um, did you really want it badly? Uh, yeah. Well, what were you willing to do in order to be able to get that? Now what I'm doing for my child is I'm helping them learn to communicate what what went on in the problem so that they know how to repent well. And that starts at the earliest ages so that then they will ask one another for forgiveness. Uh, I, I will never forget watching my children as we taught them the biblical ideas of repentance and forgiveness. And one came in and said, they just said the bland statement, do you forgive me? And the other crossed their arms and said, for what? <laughs> and they helped each other define what it was that went, went wrong. And I think that's what we help our children learn as they continue to be reared in our households and give them a level of communication as they grow up to be honest with themselves and mainly before the Lord. So uh, this is sort of a follow-up to that. At what age do you think, I mean, because of their cognitive development, that kind of thing, when that you can really start getting some mileage out of those heart-probing questions? Um, what, what do you what do you think? Um, you know, we started uh, very early on. We're, my wife and I were very thankful that we had some people that came alongside of us and really, um, you know, started to develop our mindset through various video series and books such as Shepherding a Child's Heart that really gives some uh, help in in just focusing on heart principles. But from the time that our children began to be able to communicate on any level, um, we're starting to, to talk with them gently saying, okay, um, is this 
you know, is this is this the right thing to do? Is this the right way that God wants us to treat each other? Is this the right way for us to talk to each other? And even the most simplistic questions we can take back to the scripture and say, was that filled with grace? Was that kind? Even a young child understands the difference between hurting someone and an act done in kindness, because the proverb says <laughs> even a child is known by his own his own actions. Okay, good. So, um, Josh, how can parents and volunteers find help in in issues that may be a little more complex? And I just I'm at a loss here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the organizations that was was actually uh, that was bore out of a number of different churches when I was back in Minnesota. Um, that I'm now the executive director of an organization called the Biblical Counseling Alliance. Um, one of the reasons this organization was developed, as as are uh, a few other organizations that that I will potentially mention uh, in a few minutes, uh, is to really give churches and individuals within those churches some exposure to some more to different complex issues, um, such as dealing with abuse. Um, we have developed within our organization a monthly training that churches uh, can join or individuals can join, and they can come into this particular training online, and it becomes an exposure to how biblical counseling and how mainly biblical principles impact these particular areas. So, for example, one of the areas, uh, one of the topics um, it, that's coming up in October, will I will be addressing the group on how to why motive matters so much and how we take the scriptures teaching on motive and then flesh that out into in a variety of ways. Uh, there'll be another individual who comes, uh, a, a lady, uh, Dr. Amy Baker, who's giving a uh, presentation on abused as a child but suffering as an adult. So there's some different training opportunities through the Biblical Counseling Alliance uh, that a person can sign up for. But there are many training opportunities that I would really encourage people to avail themselves to, uh, such as much of the training that happens through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Uh, they're, they're having various conferences um, and training that is happening all over. That's good. Okay. That's good. Thank you. That's hugely helpful. Um, now, how can listeners contact you uh, if they're curious about more information on this topic or uh, learn more about biblical counseling as well? Yeah, you can certainly, uh, you could jump onto the website of the Biblical Counseling Alliance, which is www.bc-alliance.org. Um, we'll have some different things there, and you can see some of the resources that we provide. Uh, we don't just do monthly trainings, but we've also given the opportunity for people uh, to, as they join a, a subscription membership a, a year, that gives them access to a number of online resources, devotionals, and things that they can even give to their teenagers and say, hey, I want you to do a five-day devotional on the heart. Some of those things are available. Um, and so you can you can certainly get in contact with some of the things that we're doing on the Biblical Counseling Alliance site. Thank you. I appreciate Very good. It. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us today, Josh. We really appreciate your wisdom. I, I really think this has been so immensely helpful, and I can tell why uh, Paul recommended us contact you. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much, and this is fantastic that you what you guys are doing. Thank you. God bless. Yeah, thanks for your time. It was we appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. 
If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.